Opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Good day, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of Boomer Generation Radio. This is your host, Richard Address, coming to you from the studios of WWDB AM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia. And we're streaming live on WWDBAM.com. And once again, you can reach us at Boomer Generation Radio at gmail.com or like us on the Boomer Generation Radio page at Facebook. We have a a very interesting morning scheduled for you for this hour, uh, really taking a look at several opportunities of programming. Programming and in-reach and outreach from the Philadelphia Corporation on Aging. And we'll be back with our first guest, Kate Clark, uh, right after this message from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall Outreach. Kendall Outreach serves the field of aging by raising public awareness of important health care issues of older adults. And it provides education and training in the development and implementation of comprehensive approaches to safe, individualized, long-term care practices. Kendall Outreach has been sharing Kendall's approach to quality care with consumers, advocates, providers, government agencies, and related organizations since 1989. To learn more, visit KendallOutreach.org. Welcome back to our first segment here on Boomer Generation Radio today, um, and we are pleased to welcome, through the magic of electronics, uh, our first guest, Kate Clark. Kate, are you there? Hello. Uh-oh. Hi. There. Oh, there you are. Hi. Okay. I'm, Just, I'm you, here. You scared me for a, a brief second. I thought we were going to have to do, um, you know, an analysis of the Eagle season, which was uh, be a very short, uh, very short program. Anyway, welcome, Kate Clark, who's the planner for policy and program development for the Philadelphia Corporation for Aging. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Boomer Generation Radio. It's nice to nice to hear your voice, and thank you very much for your time uh, on coming on and being a guest uh, with us. And we have one of your colleagues here ready to go in the second segment. Lisette uh, is here in studio. So, Kate. We want to talk a little bit about some of the programming uh, that you're involved with as a planner for policy and program development for Philadelphia Corpor- for Corporation for Aging. And one of the things uh, that you that we want to talk a little bit about and get your opinion is uh, this, this concept of age-friendly Philadelphia. Uh, what is that and what does it mean? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity uh, today to talk about some of the work that Philadelphia Corporation for Aging is doing. Um, And I hope it can be useful to the folks listening in helping them to start to think about the ways in which their neighborhoods can be better places to get older. Um, And just to give you a little background about PCA, can I do that? Oh, sure. Sure. Go ahead. Sure. Okay. So PCA is what's called an Area Agency on Aging. Mm Area agencies on aging were uh, created under the Older Americans Act in 1973, um, and they were created to coordinate and plan programs to help seniors remain in their homes and communities for as long as possible. And every county in the U.S. is served by a AAA, and there are over 600 of them in the country, and they all look very different. Uh, PCA is actually the fourth largest in the country. Um, We're a 700-person nonprofit organization. We're primarily funded by the Older Americans Act and the lottery. And so um, we manage a lot of different types of programs from long-term care service coordination to housing repairs. We fund senior centers, adult daycare, Meals on Wheels, and so forth. Um, 
And my department uh, is, does a lot of planning and advocacy and research, and many of our uh, activities have traditionally supported professionals that work directly with seniors. And so within the past six years or so, um, we, we created an age-friendly Philadelphia effort, and that's really to expand our reach to support professionals outside of the world of aging, really organizations that, um, sort of that, that really uh, affect the built environment of our neighborhoods. And if you really think about it, um, and you think if, you know, if you're in Philadelphia or you visited Philly, you can imagine most streets um, with lots of steps leading up to the row home. There's a lone pole bus stop with no seating. Traffic signals go really quickly. Um, there's cracked pavement. Um, and that's really, really hard for somebody to navigate, especially if you have uh, some mobility issues. So that was the idea of Age-Friendly Philadelphia, uh, getting together with organizations outside of the traditional aging network to try to help them to think about older adults and to incorporate older adults into their policies and plans and programs because we really found that a lot of organizations were not um, talking so much about seniors. They were talking more about kids and the creative class and, you know, millennials and young folks and stuff. But mm -hmm. these organizations that really affect our built environment really need to start thinking more about seniors. So um, for the past, you know, six or seven years or so, we've been, we've been doing that. We've been working with lots of different types of organizations. Um, and I can give you some examples of the types of projects we worked on. Go ahead. Um, one has to do with housing. Um, and I'm not sure if anybody here is uh, familiar with zoning, but um, the zoning code seeks to protect public health and safety and welfare by regulating the use of land and controlling the size and type of buildings. And so um, what we discovered was that our zoning code didn't talk at all about older adults or aging in place or aging in community. So um, in 2008, Philly began the process of modernizing the code, and we worked really hard with the Zoning Code Commission to incorporate this idea of accessory dwelling units, which are basically, have you heard of a granny flat or a mother-in-law suite? Oh, yeah. um, that's actually illegal here in Philadelphia. And so um, if somebody has a row home, um, it would be really great if they could downsize into that first floor and maybe rent out the upper floors or maybe a caregiver could live there or something like that. Well, you can't really do that. You can't do that in Philadelphia here. So we got um, accessory dwelling units incorporated into the code. Um, however, the, um, there's language about it in the code, but right now where you can create them is um, not yet defined. So it's just something that we're still still working on. But we were also able to incorporate um, other features of aging community in the code. Um, other projects have had to do with parks and public space. We worked with um, senior centers and senior housing to start intergenerational community gardens. Um, we've worked with the city around creating more bus um, opportunities for bus shelters um, around where seniors go, like senior centers and senior housing. Um, we've incorporated older adults into a lot of important strategic plans that the city has, like the Planning Commission's plans, SEPTA's uh, sustainability plan. Um, and let's see, oh, age-friendly businesses. We're starting to work with small businesses around making um, them more inviting to older adults, having railings, painting the tips of stairs like yellow so you can actually see them. Um, what yeah, about so what about the uh, what about you? You alluded to SEPTA. I mean, public transportation is is a major issue in in so many cities, and yeah, a, a lot of the, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, that that would seem to be a, a, a real challenge to um, 
an age-friendly movement to a lot of the stations, the subway stations, the L stations. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of steps, and not all of them a lot of have steps. elevators or escalators, if I'm, I'm not, if I remember correctly. That you, you have. And, but one great thing is that SEPTA, in every new renovation that they're doing around um, uh, the subways, they're, they're putting in elevators, which is great. Um, and seniors do ride free in Philadelphia. Right. I think that one of the big things is that we need, a lot of folks are just used to driving and maybe not so used to um, taking the bus or subway. And so I think one thing that we're trying to work on here at PCA is um, trying to educate folks around how to use public transportation. Transportation and try to connect them to um, there. There, there are um, organizations that have mobility managers that can come to your your um, senior housing or your senior center and actually talk about using um, public transportation and and um, helping to facilitate people using it more. What's the age uh, barrier? Not barrier is the wrong word, but for public transportation in the city of Philadelphia, what you have to be 62 or 65 or how old? Oh, to get a free? Oh, my gosh. I'm pretty sure it's 60, actually. But I will double-check, and I and will And how do you do that? Do you, you apply and get a, a pass, or you just walk yeah, up go, to your friendly yeah. ticket office? You can, I mean, you can show your your um, Medicare card, but most people don't want to carry that around. Um, actually, if you go on SEPTA's website, it'll yeah. tell you exactly how to do that. But it's a wonderful opportunity that folks should not miss. And and if you're just visiting the city, you can use it, too. That's good to know. Kate, the, the baby boomer generation seems to be, in many ways, along with the millennials, restructuring our city. Just restructuring it. Uh, buildings and the nightlife and the energy that seems to be really have impacted the city. Um, how, what's your experience with, with this general, you know, our generation, the people, you know, for the focus of the show, people from, let's say, 50 to 70, who in many cases I know, uh, you know, selling that big suburban home, moving back into the parkway or downtown and because um, they can walk everywhere, they can take the bus or the subway to the theater, to the concert, to the games, et cetera, et cetera. Have, what's your experience with PCA in, in this restructuring in many ways of the city? And is are you involved with it or is it just totally, you know, out of your purview at PCA? Um, well, in some ways we are involved in it in that um, we are supporting a lot of the organizations that are working to support those folks moving back into the city. Um, there are groups like um, Penn's Village, which is uh, you, you pay a certain fee per year and then you can get all these wonderful resources like volunteers to come and um, maybe take you to a doctor's appointment or watch your pet if you have to go to the hospital or connect you to different organizations. Um, Oh, I just found out. Sorry, someone, someone who's here uh, just notified me. SEPTA is 65 years old. Okay. Oh, you have, SEPTA is not 60. You have to be 65. It's not 60. You have to be 65. Yeah. yeah. Somebody was listening to it here at PCA and came in and told me that. Thank you, Katie. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so we're supporting organizations like Penn's Village. There's an organization called um, Friends in the City um, where our research department is working with them to evaluate their work and help support them. There's the um, Senior um, Elder LGBT Initiative, which is an excellent um, 
organization um, in, in Center City right now. Um, there's there's the senior centers in Center City. So we're really we really try to work with all the groups that are um, that are supporting our our city seniors as much as possible. Um, and I'm also trying to recruit my parents to come and move here from New York City. <laughs> so I've been I've been really looking at all the different um, apartment buildings, and there's some really amazing ones that you know have buses and um, they've got chair yoga and th- there's there's just so much going on. It's an amazing place to to downsize to. I yeah, I, I, my sense is, and I was, I mean, I grew up in Philly, so my sense is that this is a just in a very very exciting time uh, in the city itself. Uh, there's so much mm-hmm. happening, and there seems to be, and I would imagine PCA is is in many ways responsible for a lot of this wave. Uh, of awareness, uh, there seems to be a, a, an understanding on the part of leadership that this generation that's reemerging, uh, as well as the millennials, but the boomer generation has a lot to give to the city, and it is in the city's best interest to create programs, services, and um, amenities that that service this generation. So yeah, uh, and I, um, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think it would be really great also for this generation to get involved in promoting an age-friendly city. Um, I feel like their voice really matters, and and it's not just up to the professionals, like with the age-friendly Philadelphia work that we've been doing um, to try to, to try to get our city to be more friendly um, to people of all ages and abilities, but also to the people who are trying to help to benefit. And, um, and I was going to actually um, say that AARP has been working with the World Health Organization on age-friendly cities, and they ha- their website has a lot of tools mm-hmm. around how to advocate for a more age-friendly community. And also, N4A, which is the National Association of Area Agencies on Aging, N4A, um, has a big livabilities, uh, livable communities um, effort, and they have a great toolkit that they just put out to help people to um, advocate for a more age-friendly community. So, so Those that's are two good, great places. It's good resources. We're speaking with Kate Clark, the planner for policy and program development here uh, for the Philadelphia Corporation for Aging. And we're going to be right back with Kate. I want to talk a little bit about um, some of this uh, Gen Philly movement that uh, you mentioned. And uh, we'll do that right after this word from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall a system of not-for-profit communities and services that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Kendall is committed to working with others as we together transform the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Welcome back to our first segment here on Boomer Generation Radio. We're speaking with Kate Clark, Planner uh, for Policy and Program Development for the Philadelphia Corporation for Aging. You're listening to Boomer Generation Radio on WWDB AM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia and streaming live on WWDBAM.com. So, uh, Kate... In uh, some of the material uh, that I'm looking at and preparing for today, this Gen Philly you, you, you mentioned, um, an award-winning network of more than 400 emerging leaders. What is this? What, what, tell me about that. It sounds exciting. Sure. Gen Philly uh, stands for Generation Appreciation Philadelphia, 
Uh, and it's one of PCA's main strategies, really, to create aging experts throughout the city um, because we've found that many organizations are not really talking about older adults. And so uh, Gen Philly started up in 2009, um, and it's all about educating the next generation of leaders in the city about aging issues and giving them the tools to become aging advocates in their workplaces. Um, and so, yeah, today it is a network of more than 400 emerging leaders, mostly in their 20s and 30s, um, who are asking themselves about the type of city in which they want to get older in, while also helping out the current population of seniors. And so our members come from a variety of professions. We have folks in uh, social work, trans public trans um, sorry, transportation planners, architects, lawyers, artists, like a variety of dis disciplines. And through our events um, and a lot of our networking meetings, we really try to show our members that there's really a competitive professional advantage that results from incorporating older adults into their work. And um, we've got you know, Facebook, Twitter, listservs, and so forth. But one of the big things we do is we put on events, public events. And the idea with the public events is really about um, breaking stereotypes about aging and um, bringing together different networks to, um, with aging network professionals together to innovate around aging issues. So, for example, um, we've had events around community gardening and older adults. Um, we've had events around um, contemporary music and like where we, there was one event where we screened the documentary Young at Heart, um, which is an excellent documentary uh, about an elder vocal choir. And choir, they right. The, it's a great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing and, and so, and it just got people thinking, wow, you know, just it totally breaks stereotypes about older adults. They're singing the Ramones and Coldplay and, you know, they're having a blast. And so actually, and, and from that, one of our members who works at the Cultural Alliance, um, or who used to work at the Cultural Alliance, brought uh, back an aging agenda to her organization. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of our events really aim to, to get people to in, initiate new programs around aging. So we had, one event we had was called Golden Years and Furry Ears. And it was all about older adults and pets. Um, many seniors are feeding their meals on wheels food to their pets. They're not going to the hospital because they don't have anyone to take care of their pet. And their pet's like a family member. So what can we do about it? So we've um, actually, PC started a website called phillypetsandseniors.org. Mm -hmm. And we've created a network of organizations that are actually helping seniors with their animals like um like, you know, getting um, litter up to the house or f dog food or whatever. So free veterinary services. So a lot of our events have really catalyzed new efforts. Um, last year we had a hackathon, which was getting together a bunch of technologists with aging and disability experts to think about creative technology solutions to different issues. Um, we've had events around access to fresh food. We've done movie screenings, like we screened uh, Still Alice this summer. Right. Um, so, yeah, so so that, that's Jen Philly, and um, we so, would love to have more more of your listeners coming to our events. Well, how do you get involved with that? Out. Suppose somebody listening says this is something that you know I'd like to have a hand in restructuring and reshaping the next generation of how Philadelphia deals with this. How does one get involved with this? Well, um, I would say one is definitely to email me because I'm the chair of the group, and um, I would love to talk to somebody about 
um, to, about that. But also, you can go on our website, which is jenphilly.org. You can sign up for our events newsletter. You can see what we've um, done. And also, um, I recently, well, maybe two years ago, published an article on how to replicate the model. There are other cities that are now doing it. Like, there's a Gen Lanta in Atlanta. There's Gen Bucks County. It's called Gen BC. Um, there are, and, and there are other ones through, um, what else? There was a Gen in, in Los Angeles, Gen La, Gen LA. So if you're interested in this idea and, and catalyzing something like that in your own community, I would love, love, love to help you to talk about it, um, give you the article, and I could also be on, you know, do a presentation. So, so this is the, the website to get information about Gen Philly is www. what? Genphilly.org. G-E-N-Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.org, right? One word. Yes. One, one word. Mm-hmm. What's the reaction when you try to blend the generations and the millennials and, and the, the boomers to, to around this, you know, let's, let's dream about what Philadelphia is going to look like. And then, you know, when you're, when you, Mr. 28 year old are 68, what's some of the dynamics that takes place? I don't know. I think it's been really positive so far in, in our in our work. I mean, um, one one angle that we've taken is looking at the DIY culture, the do-it-yourself culture, which is um, something that's really popular here in Philadelphia. Um, and many older adults are the original DIY you know, movement makers who have been doing canning or um, community gardens or victory gardens, or I guess that's like an older generation from the boomer. But in turn, I mean, I just, I feel like there's so much that both generations can learn from each other. And especially with our, our target audience is actually emerging leaders. So it's not teens or kids or so. Um, I think there's more of an appreciation and an interest in that give and take that can happen in intergenerational, mm-hmm. you know, interactions. You know, how supportive so we, is so have, how supportive have have you found the the city to be politically? You know, the mayor's office and and have, have they backed this? And because I would oh, imagine yeah. it's in their best interest. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and thank you so much for for bringing that up. Um, the city has a deputy managing director for aging, wow. um, Lydia Lydia Hernandez Velez, and she started, I believe, in 2010. And she has been working with AARP um, and the World Health Organization on getting Philadelphia designated an age friendly city by the World Health Organization. It's like a sort of stamp of approval, and they have a um, big survey that they've put out um, trying to assess how people see our city and what things, what, what do we need to do to get to a more age-friendly place. So if you go on to the Mayor's Commission on Aging website, which is if you just Google Mayor's Commission on Aging Philadelphia, you can participate in that survey, and that would greatly contribute to the work that the city is going to do moving forward, especially with the new administration and um, and, and Lydia's age-friendly work. Mm-hmm. So your work as a policy and program developer for PCA, the Philadelphia Corporation on Aging, before we start running out of time on this segment, give me your you know um, sense of where the aging movement is in the city of Philadelphia. There's a, such a... a um, emphasis on so-called healthy aging and aging in place, whatever that means. 
are things dramatically changing? Uh, from my sense from the what you're talking about, the Gen Philly, the the age friendly movement, there seems to be a lot of dynamism. But on, once you get past this, is there a sea change on the way people are looking at aging in this area? Yeah, I, I absolutely do think there are, and I think I think there are so many different pockets of of um, of of initiatives going on throughout the city and in some sense it would be great to get all these folks together you know to talk about it and potentially you know maybe work together on some really big advocacy issues um, and it would also and I think that a lot of the people that are doing this work are professionals and so like I was saying before it would be really great to see a more structured effort directed by community dwelling individuals versus the professionals mm-hmm. um, and really develop their voice in promoting um a lot of this advocacy work. Uh, and, but yes, there is a lot going on, and it's very, very exciting. And PCA has, as, as a, an umbrella organization, if I can use that term, you have sponsored major citywide events that focus on the dynamism and changing nature of aging, don't you? Yes. Um, well... We do have we have conference we have a conference uh, every year fall conference on aging. Um, we have a Lawton conference, which is more of a research policy planning type conference that happens every few years. Uh, most recently, one of our great events that we put on is called the Senior Strut. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's uh, all about healthy aging, and it really came out of our age-friendly parks work mm-hmm. um, that we've been doing with the Fairmount Park Conservancy and the city's Parks and Recreation uh, Department. And what it is is basically an event to promote promote walking and walkability, and uh, we do it in Fairmount Park, and the mummers lead seniors up and down Boathouse Boathouse Row, and there's a big health fair um, going on with it, and it's really nice because this year it really paralleled with the Surgeon General's call to action on walking, which has been really exciting. We're trying to really promote more walking groups throughout the city, and because it's like, you know, it's a free, great way to get a lot of exercise. Right, and it doesn't cost you just go outside. You know, yes, just, just start, yes, and just it, start it walking. Yes, and it helps to make our community safer and eyes on the street. And um, it's a great social activity with somebody else. Yeah. So we've been talking to Kate Clark, planner for policy and program development for the Philadelphia Corporation for Aging. And, and, and Kate, we have about one more minute in this segment. So I just want to put you on the spot and say, based upon all of your experience and all of your work with PCA and, and this very exciting age-friendly movement and the Gen Philly movement, if you could just uh, broadcast to the older adult population of the city of Philadelphia, what's the one piece of advice you would want to give them? I would say <laughs> I would say become your own advocate for aging issues and research and check out what's going on in in your own city and other cities around making your community more a better place to grow older and then go out there and make that happen. That's a great that but that's a great piece of advice. I mean a lot of people don't realize that they're 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 in the end they're their own yeah. best advocate for what they want. Yeah. So Kate Clark, yeah. planner for policy and program development for the Philadelphia Corporation for Aging. Thank you very much for giving us your time and your expertise and your enthusiasm for this work uh for the city and the general area here in Philly, and I appreciate your time. Good luck. Uh, to, to just take care of yourself. Have a good holiday season, too, okay? Yes, and thank you for having me. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. 
We're going to take a moment to, to remind you of a very good friend of uh, our, the show here at Boomer Generation Radio, uh, Peter Hecht and the Hecht Investment Group of Janet Montgomery Scott. Uh, Peter and his team provide concierge financial consulting and planning services, and they use a formal investment process as their foundation. And as we've told you many times, clients receive frequent communication as well as rapid response to questions. And as many of us know, especially in this environment, there are few needs greater than our own when it comes to personal financial planning. The Hecht Investment Group provides experience, guidance, and an efficient management process. It's very, very important in today's world. Additionally, Peter Hecht and his team can assist you in connecting to the Investment Banking Department, which specializes in assisting middle market companies achieve their strategic goals. We invite you to contact the Hecht Investment Group toll-free at 855-289-2168. That's 855-289-2168. You can visit them at the hechtinvestmentgroup.com. And the Hecht Investment Group is also on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and, of course, on Facebook. And Janet Montgomery Scott is a member of the New York Stock Exchange, FINRA, and the SIPC. That's the Hecht Investment Group of Janet Montgomery Scott, toll-free eight, uh, at 855-289-2168. So as we uh, kind of like mellow our way into the holiday season, um, let's a uh, little James Taylor to bridge us between segment one and our guest, Lizette, waiting here in the studio. Take it away, James. Tell me lies, but hold me tight Save your goodbyes for the morning light But don't let me be lonely tonight Say goodbye and say hello Sure enough, good to see you But it's time to go Don't say yes, but please don't say no I don't want to be lonely tonight Go away, then damn you Go on and do as you please, yeah You ain't gonna see me getting down on my knees Decided and your heart's been divided. You've been turning my world upside down. Do me wrong, do me right, right now, baby. Go on and tell me lies, but hold me tight. Save your goodbyes for the moment. Let me be lonely tonight 
Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Kendall is committed to working with others as we together transform the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888 888- Seven five nine zero one two eight. Good day. Welcome back to our second segment here on Boomer Generation Radio, uh, coming to you again from the studios of WWDB AM860 here in Philly and streaming live on WWDBAM.com. Reach us on Boomer Generation Radio at gmail.com, as well as on our Facebook page, Boomer Generation Radio on Facebook. And we are very, very uh, happy to welcome to our microphone the Latino Outreach Coordinator for the Philadelphia Corporation for Aging, Lizette Sarfraz, right? Did I get that right? Sarfraz. Sorry. Anyway, wait, Lizette, welcome. Welcome. Thank welcome you. to Thank the microphone. Welcome me. to our station and welcome to Boomer Generation Radio. It's a big day for Philadelphia Corporation for Aging and your role is to work with the Latino community here in the city of Philadelphia, correct? Yes, my role is uh, as Latino Outreach Coordinator. We're actually a, a tiny department of PCA, a community relations department, and our primary goal is to outreach to communities that are, are isolated, that may have language barriers, and just to make sure that they're aware of all the aging programs in Philadelphia. So in the Latino community, first of all, can you do you have a sense of uh, the size in greater Philadelphia of the Latino community? I do. I have some numbers here for you. Um, in Philadelphia, we have approximately 206,000 uh, Philadelphians who identify themselves as Latinos, and 34,000 are 50 and older. 34,000 34,000 of the 200. Right. So, and I would imagine that that number is slowly starting to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Especially we have some elders returning back uh, to Philadelphia, moving in with their families. A lot of the families are multi-generational. So either if they're looking for employment or just coming back um, to the East Coast again just to unite with their families and take care of their elders. You mentioned this before the show we were talking. Mm -hmm. The largest cohort is is from what area? Um, Puerto Rico. Um, and we also have other communities as well that are growing in Philadelphia, Mexican communities, Central America, and Caribbean as well. So one of the things I wanted to explore with you um, before we get into the, the, the service aspect or the mm-hmm. outreach aspect is, could you just uh, teach us a little bit about the if there's a significant cultural challenge that you face working and going into people's homes and working with families in the community so far as uh, the the care and treatment of older adults within the Latino community. Uh, could you just speak to that a little bit? What is there a difference between the normative American or whatever it may be? Okay. Um, basically, in the Latino community, the elders are well-respected. Um, in general, family members take care of their elders. 
usually don't seek outside services. It's something that, culturally speaking, it's a duty uh, for children or just the community in general just to make sure that you care for your elders. But that's changing. It is changing. It's changing because oftentimes caregivers have to be employed or they have they work outside the home. And oftentimes many of our elders are alone at home and require care. Mm-hmm. And um, just the idea of asking for help is a little difficult. So that's one of the struggles that we do have at PCA or just organizations in general um, to have the community ask for assistance, especially if it's a governmental program. Depending on what country of origin the Latinos are coming from, they're a little hesitant to seek uh, programs that are funded in general by the government because they have Is that to because of the, uh, culturally or a distrust of the government. Yeah, I think you know slightly a distrust depending on which you know country of origin they're from. Mm-hmm. Um, so oftentimes I do go into the community and just try to build uh, that trust with the Latino elders and caregivers and just to let them know that these services are out here to support them to alleviate that caregiver burden or just make sure that they remain in the community as long as possible without without divulging confidences mm-hmm. could you just like walk us through uh, what you would do with a family you get a you get a call through your mm-hmm. office and or or one of the as you mentioned a growing number of community organizations mm-hmm. in the latino community somebody needs a visit could you just walk how, how do you begin to establish that sense of trust because that's that's very, very important. Yeah, oftentimes I go out into various communities or just events and discuss a PCA service or just aging programs in general. If they're interested in finding out more information, they contact our helpline, which is our first stop um, at PCA, and the helpline is 215-765-9040. And our helpline has bilingual staff and, has, uh, and uh, access to a language line. And we have intake uh, personnel there that will do like a brief um, assessment. And depending on what type of service, if you're just calling for information or referral, they'll assist with that. If you're calling for an assessment for, uh, for uh, home care services, they'll set that assessment up. So we have assessment workers that go into the home and do pretty lengthy as- assessment just to figure out um, what type of services may be needed, or just to paint a full picture of what type of services. And you, and you are you um, one of those individuals who go I, into the home? No, I do not. That's a long-term, it's helpline, long-term care access uh, department. Our assessors go out into the homes and provide the assessments. Thereafter, they'll go into um, the long-term care options, and they'll get assigned a service coordinator. So there's a few steps before even reaching services. Okay. So oftentimes that's the discussion I have with many of the elders, just um, to be patient, um, just to, we have persons that speak in the language, uh, there's a process, but at the end result is always to help them remain in the community for as long as possible. So talk to me a little bit about the language issue, because I would imagine that in a in an immigrant, in, in an, a generational issue, that could be an issue, it could be a problem. Mm-hmm. Not everybody speaks English, and so talk to me a little bit about the, the language issue. Yeah, it varies um, in the Latino community. Excuse me, depending on how long they've been here, or just um, in general what they may feel comfortable with. Especially in aging terms, sometimes the terms don't even translate really? fully. Yeah, yeah, for, can you give me an example? So it's, very, it's very difficult. Um, I don't know. So just let's say something like incontinence. 
supplies or something. It's very right. difficult to kind of explain that in Spanish. You kind of have to break it down in, in really? general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I never. Because yeah. um, it's kind of like, and oftentimes it's a sensitive subject to begin oh, with. Yeah, so yeah. you know, it's difficult to explain that. Um, so just in general, PCA does have staff, bilingual staff. Uh, many of the materials are in Spanish. Um, they have me as well, Latino Outreach, uh, to work with other community organizations just to make sure they have these materials. Um, in addition to being able to look online, some of the materials are translated there. Um, and we also have service coordinators who are bilingual as well. And we work with the family um, as well just to make sure that they understand what type of resources are available. So that's a very important step. Mm -hmm. um, uh, talk to me a little bit about um, here you have a, a, a grandmom, a grandpop, and who may need services, and, and you're establishing that, that holding community and, and working with them. But as you just alluded to, there's a whole family system here. As, as many of us, as all of us who've done this know that caregiving is a family systems challenge. Mm -hmm. It's just not mm -hmm. the individuals who need to care for. So how, how does PCA support the, the, the son, the daughter who have mom and dad or, and mom or dad living in their house with them and they realize, okay, things are moving along. We can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Are there support services for the families to deal with the, you know, some of the challenges that come with caregiving? There are. There's actually a caregiver support program at PCA that the main goal is to alleviate caregiver burden. Um, it's oh, a so talk, what happens there? Because that's really, really mm -hmm. important. It's a reimbursement program, so it assist, assist caregivers um, to care for that older adult in the home, whether it's with for personal care service, medical supplies, um, attending adult day program, um, or just general benefits information, just to make sure that the when you say reimbursement. Is, wait, mm -hmm. I mean, they get money or yeah, is they it get time? reimbursement really? between I believe uh, two fifty and five hundred dollars, depends on what the funding. Uh, looks like to provide service for that family member. So that funding comes from PCA? That funding comes from the state, from, from waiver dollars, I believe. So mm -hmm. let me ask you this, this, this tougher question. Mm -hmm. Given the the budget impasse in Harrisburg, is that impacting the ability of PCA to take care of this reimbursement program? Um, at this moment, I haven't heard that there's much of a waiting list, but that's something you can call the helpline and they'll be able to further um, explain that so to you. In addition to the reimbursement for supplies, mm -hmm. there's a caregiving support, caregiver support program. Mm -hmm. So that if I if I saying this is, you know, we were raised, I have to take care of my mom and dad, but I can't do this anymore because I'm working, mm -hmm. my spouse is working, I'm still taking care of my 10 year old and my 12 year old, mm -hmm. and dad has just been diagnosed with the beginnings of dementia. I can't deal. I don't even know how to deal with that. I'm facing the possibility of placing dad or mom in a facility, but that goes against my all the things that I was raised. Mm -hmm. So there are counselors or programs through PCA which is going to which are going to be able to sit with me and say, "Look, let's walk, let's talk about this, how you're mm -hmm. feeling, and what mm -hmm. this really means." Is this correct? Yeah, the first stop with the uh, assessors, they'll go out discuss the different programs, and once you're assigned to a service coordinator, uh, they'll discuss the various program. In addition to the caregivers a program, program there's a care at home program which um, provides, uh, I would say, a little more services for uh, the older adult at home to make sure. That 
that they remain in the community for as long as possible, whether it's for personal care, um, a few days at adult day, um, just for persons who need that um, hands-on help. We do have uh, caregivers and older adults who may be receiving, let's say, eight hours of service. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the day of personal care, just some type of companion for that caregiver to be allowed time to so go, like re- go to work. Program, yeah, some type of respite for them so they can go to work, come back. There's also respite service. I mentioned adult day, um, which is a program that they can go throughout the day and just socialize. Um, I have social services there as well as um, just to make sure that they're cared for throughout the day. Now, you work with, uh, you alluded to this before we went on the air, mm-hmm. uh, 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 I think you said a growing network of mm-hmm. smaller communal agencies that mm-hmm. either contract with PCA or mm-hmm. PCA works with to to take people or take care of people like adult daycare services. Mm-hmm. Could you just, before we take a break, could you just talk a little bit about this growth in this um, these community organizations within yeah. the community? Sure. Uh, PCA contracts with various uh, providers, whether it's adult day, um, whole health, home health agencies, in addition to others to provide services to uh, older adults and caregivers. So it's a broad, I would say, provider list, maybe more than 200. Wow. And many of them do cater to uh, Spanish-speaking elders and just different cultures in general, just to make sure that they provide uh, that service in a culturally competent way. Is is there a growth in... um Spanish-speaking support services in nursing homes and assisted living facilities and CC community uh, continuing care retirement communities? Um, as far as those specific um, nursing homes, assisted living, I would say I'm not exactly sure, but I know there may be a few that may have Spanish Well, you're capacity. saying, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't want to present, yeah, you're, yeah, sen- you're saying, that may, yeah, there may be a few, but not specifically catered to um, the Latino community for Spanish speakers. Really? And that, that, that would imagine, because the community is growing, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, we're being told that this is the largest growing mm-hmm. segment of, of the American, you know, minority population is mm-hmm. in the Latino community. So I would assume that your work even if it's just in the local area, is going to expand uh, as as the community grows and as the number of people are living longer and have a greater need for those services mm-hmm. and as just the second generation or third generation people just naturally just change environments and move into different neighborhoods, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. So th- th- it's a real challenge, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yes. We're, sp- we're speaking with Lizette Sarfras, uh, the Latino Outreach Coordinator for the Philadelphia Corporation for Aging. We'll be right back with Lizette for our concluding part of our uh, second segment here on Boomer Generation Radio, right after this message from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall a system of not-for-profit communities and services in eight states that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Please join us in together transforming the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Welcome back to uh, our final segment here on Boomer Generation Radio today. Uh, we're speaking with Lizette Sarfraz, the Latino Outreach Coordinator here at Philadelphia Corporation for Aging. It's a big 
PCA morning. And we're really talking uh, in this segment a specific outreach uh, that Lisa does to the growing Latino community here in the greater Philadelphia area. And we've learned uh, that, that, yes, that community is growing and that there's um, – uh, uh, a growing change, if I'm hearing you correctly, as um, the the natural cultural tendency in the community to take care of elders in place. Uh, but that also seems to, as much of American community seems to be changing as the family dynamics of um, of our families are are, the, are changing, which is an awkward way of saying it. But but so this this growth uh, and programming, direct service, the helpline. Give us. Give, do you have the number again? Is sure. That- uh, the helpline is two one five seven six five ninety forty. And the and if somebody wanted to go on the web and explore more about this, uh, where do they go? At www.pcacares.org. PCA cares one continuous one word. Continuous word. Okay, so um, we've we've mentioned the the language aspect. There it, is there still, from what I'm hearing, you say, a still a reluctance on the part of some of the much or some of the community to to do placement, to put mom and dad in a nursing home, if that's possible? Yeah, I think there's definitely still reluctant, especially because um, culturally speaking, your duty is to care for that older adult. So that's why we do our best to make sure that they're informed uh, regarding all the various programs that will help them um, care for that their loved ones in their home for as long as possible. I would imagine, though, that, that given the economic realities of just... Mm-hmm. To put it bluntly, going out and making a living, that that's becoming a real issue for many. I mean, all across America, and the, mm-hmm. what I, we've talked a little bit on the show. Uh, actually, we've talked a lot on the show about what we call the economics of aging. Mm-hmm. That it's just very expensive in this very country to um, to get older, and mm-hmm. if God forbid you contracts an illness, uh, unless you're in that one percent, but for most of us, uh, as I've as we've had many people on the show say, most of us are one medical emergency away from real financial mm-hmm. ruin mm-hmm. in some cases. In, in in some cases, and how does PCA does PCA help families who are facing illness and caregiving? Um, deal with some of the economic challenges that um, uh, confront families? Uh, some of the programs are free of charge depending on um, income and assets. So some of the programs, caregivers or care receivers, will not have to pay anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and others are on a sliding scale. So it just depends uh, what program you may be eligible for. So there is support in terms of financial aspect for do, caring. Do you find there's a, 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 a it just occurred to me when you mentioned this, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little bit off the wall, but do you find there's a an interest in political action around issues of of aging within the Latino community, uh, you know, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, mm-hmm. just uh, the challenges, just just like we're reading in the paper almost every day now about the, mm-hmm. this explosion of drug prices. Are you finding a, a growing movement of political action to deal with this, or is, is there still sort of like 
somebody else will take care of it. No, I would say that especially, you know, some senior senior groups at, in centers or just AARP in general, um, I would say a lot of the Latino older adults are more involved, um, especially even working with the legislative offices as well. Because mm-hmm. many of the legislative offices provide social services in general um, and assist older adults. So I would say there's definitely a more movement in terms of... Um, aging in general. Now, does PCA have specific Latino-oriented programs? Because I see on the website, there's a, they list a conference for Spanish-speaking elders. Yeah, we actually do have specific um, programs uh, for older adults or, or special events. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, coordinate uh, two advisory committees that assist with planning of the conference that it's each fall, and we choose a topic each year uh, related to aging or resources in general. We invite elders, their caregivers, as well as various community organizations just to inform the community uh, regarding resources, as well as a social work training for professionals who serve Latino older adults in the spring, as well as a Latino advisory committee which meets uh, quarterly. Uh, it's comprised of various organizations who just have an interest in Latino older adults or just aging in general. And PCA receives um, feedback in terms of how to improve programs, how to improve outreach. Um, I know in the past we had requests for more Spanish-speaking or bilingual staff, and that's something that PCA responded to well. And um, I would say... These past few years, we have more of a diverse um, employ- employees at, at PCI. The, and the, mm-hmm. the Spanish issue is, I would imagine, continues to be a real issue mm-hmm. of training and getting people who are fluent in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's interesting you mentioned that some of the terminology, and I never realized, but it, it, I should have, but yeah. uh, that doesn't necessarily translate into colloquial Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we actually at one point, and we actually do still have it, we have a bilingual dictionary on aging terms, really? medical terms that we developed in our department. And uh, at one point, we gave them out to various professionals who came to our trainings to kind of assist with when you're doing that assessment, if you get stuck or, or you oh, that's need right. a, Is that online? Did you put that online? Or? It's not online. Maybe that's something we can possibly work on, but it's very useful, especially... We're not. You're doing assessments. We're just trying to figure out in general how to no, translate that, a word. Yeah, mm-hmm. because from everything you said, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it just we just assume, and that's a wrong thing to do. That mm-hmm. there are certain technical, and I want to imagine when you work with a family for placement into a, a nursing home, mm-hmm. just the the change in the environment. I know just from my own work, it can be very very frightening to take someone who's been used to living in their private space or even with their with their kids and all of a sudden you place them into an institution mm-hmm. even though it may be the quote the best thing for them to be cared for because their kids can't take care of them anymore but it's still i would imagine you getting involved in really sitting down and working with this and especially if they don't speak english mm-hmm. and trying to walk them through what this is and why this is and and the type of change that they're going to be. I imagine that's a very frightening uh, and very um, 
in one way rewarding experience to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in general, I do just general uh, discussion regarding the uh, services and just events, and our I would say our service coordinators are there through the entire process to assist um, families to make these decisions regarding care planning. You mentioned before that there's a, this huge growth. Could you speak to this because we, we only have a couple minutes left? In the Latino community about this burgeoning number of um, community organizations that you work with, they, they cover everything, um, you know, just all types of social services and church groups and other social uh, – could you just speak to that a little bit? Yeah, there's various organizations in the uh, Latino community that provide general social services. That some have specific uh, programs for older adults, um, like Congreso, for instance. They have a Vida Center, which um, it's a program funded by the United Way to assist um, just elders navigate the system and just provide general uh, social service and assistance. And uh, for instance, Congresso in general, it's a, I would say, a staple in the Latino community. So it's well known. So it's, um, I mentioned that trust issue earlier. They mm-hmm. like to go to these trusted organizations as well as the local senior centers. There's various senior centers uh, in the city of Philadelphia that have bilingual staff, bilingual social workers that are able to assist. Um, as well as various houses of worship and um, just in general, there's very or many uh, programs in the Latino community that can assist older. Are the church, is the church network very important? I would say yes. It's still very important uh, to Latino elders. I know many of the senior centers, they do have, um, let's say, a pastor or a priest come out and provide service or just um, Bible studies and things of that nature because we all know that spirituality is a large part of the older adults. Oh, yeah. Spirituality is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, speak, speaking from somebody who plays in that ballpark, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we try to push it as much as possible. It, it, just in the couple of minutes we have left, from your experience working with families, and you have a you have this broad picture of the entire community, really, around the area, are you sensing a, any generational changes from, let's say, the millennials and the baby boomers vis-a-vis uh, how they're relating to C Years, older adults. Is there a, uh, is, is that millennial Latino generation becoming more Americanized, or is there a, a return back to traditional values? Do you sense any of this? I would say it's a combination, especially because some of the households are multi generational. Mm-hmm. So you may have, um, I don't know, that teen or, or in their early twenties that are were born here, educated here, but they still are assisting with caregiving for the abuelita, for their grandmother. So it's something that I think is kind of ingrained in us that that's something that it's a duty for us to make sure that our elders are taken care of. Well, I mean, I, I yeah. you know, I would imagine that that really that's that's one of the gifts that mm-hmm. that the multi generated there's so much to learn. Mm-hmm. There's so much to learn, not only from the culture but just the human life experience. Uh, so hold on to that yes. as much as possible. Yes. Uh, Lizette Sarfraz, the um, Latino Outreach Coordinator here for the Philadelphia Corporation for Aging. Thank you very very much yeah, for thank coming you for in. Having and, me. Um, 
really giving, sharing with us your expertise and your knowledge and your passion and your caring for your community. So thank you very, very much. And we appreciate all that you do for us, all that you do for your community. So thank you. And we wish you and your, your, your new husband, you're just oh, married you. recently. So <laughs> yes. congratulations <laughs> on that. You. We wish you well. Have a wonderful holiday season. To all of you, we want to thank you again for tuning in here for this edition of Boomer Generation Radio on WWDB AM 860 here in Philly. Again, streaming live on WWDBAM.com. We'll see you next week, same time here on DB. Take care. Have a good week, everyone.